truck it i'm dooner here with michael vincent the dude who i'm ready to truck it my friend beautiful summer day here a little bit of rain maybe again today we got some over the weekend how you doing my friend it's tough man we're making my dog's stomach ache with all <laughs> that, right? rain. Yeah, so that was unexpected to... yesterday evening wasn't it we were supposed <laughs> to go we were supposed to go to the lookouts game it, yeah. it got it got rained out but you know no it didn't get rained out richard branson he made it up to space there's some de- he was 53 yeah. miles up in space some debate rages what height constitutes a visit some say 62 miles nasa says 50 so uh we'll go with that but here's a yeah, here's an interesting fact right okay so there's a little meaning to this for Richard Branson, the okay. uh, the mothership, right? The VMS Eve. It was named after his mother Eve, who died of COVID nineteen complications oh, wow. in January. Oh, there you go. Wow, I remember that story. That's right. That's the one that took the rocket ship up, right? Yeah, and then let it. Yeah, the it looked like a catamaran. It was like a double plane. Yeah, yeah, it was like yeah. a double plane. It was like a double plane. Yeah, we. Hey, we. Some people had a much tougher weekend. We got a video uh, sent to us late last night in South Africa from a friend of ours, uh, okay. Oliver Nuds, sent this. Uh, Last night of some stuff going on that's uh, not so good. Let's take a look at this. Look at that right there. Yeah, the uh, Wall Street Journal reports on this. We got a little context. And it's actually a very unfortunate event. Six people had been killed and 219 had been arrested amid escalating violence during rioting that broke out following the imprisonment of South Africa's former president, Jacob Zuma. That's according to police on Monday. Army soldiers are deployed out there. Trucks have been set on fire. You're seeing uh, warehouses over there getting set yeah. on fire. Uh, there was more videos. You sent of a oh, storage yeah. unit that got, was that was getting raided. I mean, it, it looks like a terrible situation. So hopefully they can quell that and and get that all set. But we're going to get into that executive order. We're going to talk to Craig Fuller. We're going to talk about some freight horror stories. We're going to yeah. talk about cargo getting stolen. But first, let's tip the band. This episode is brought to you by Legend Transportation, which has been establishing partnerships to outstanding customer service since 2007. Learn more at Tell Them, Dude. Hey, go to newlegendinc.com immediately after the show. Let's bring out Lauren Began up. She's a principal over at Squall Strategies. We're going to go inside the news story, and she's going to tell us a little bit about this executive order that came out of of the Biden administration. Lauren, thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. So uh, much ado about nothing. It was kind of like the uh, the Nintendo Switch OLED announcement when everyone's expecting the <laughs> Switch Pro. And it's talking like I'm looking at the language here. It's talking about exports. It says it's it's encouraging. It's like, go OCL. Like, please don't charge as much. W- what are we reading here? What does this actually mean for the industry? I mean, first off, it's all good stuff. It's, you know, we, we want to go after some of the bad actors, but it's kind of telling the FMC, the Federal Maritime Commission, to do something that they're already doing. And and certainly to do something that they've already said is a high priority and that they have taken actual concrete action on recently. Yeah, so it's kind of a, a an executive suggestion. Hey, reminder, you're supposed to be doing this stuff. You're kind of, I mean, is it just a dog and pony show? There's no teeth behind this whatsoever at all, right? Well, so so not to discredit. I mean, it is still coming from the office okay. of the president. You know, this yeah. is still something coming from the administration. So um, the more voices that you have around this is the better. Um, and certainly having the the full support. I mean, this is actual full support written down of the, the executive office um, saying that they think that the FMC should be going after these bad actors um, and and trying to look at these exorbitant charges that are happening out there. That's all good stuff. We, we need those voices. But on the other hand, the Federal Maritime Commission is an independent regulatory authority. So the fact of the matter is, that's great that the president said that, but the FMC can say, well, take it or leave it. You know, they, they can decide to adopt this, which 
all of the comments from the commissioners and the chairman have been supportive of this that I've been reading. Um, but they could also say, you know, hit the road. We're, we're all set. We're doing our own thing. So are they talking about, are they afraid to use the term imports here? Or are, are they still trying to do, as you mentioned, dog and pony show, yeah. where, you know, there's not a massive trade imbalance. We don't import most of our goods here, so they don't want to use the term imports. They're using exports instead. What do you think the reasoning is behind there? Because the problem, it seems to us, is on the import side. Well, I, you know, I think that they are having a lot of trouble in the ag area of getting um, the exports out. And so the trouble is, you know, th th like we've all been talking about and you've been talking about on your show for, for months now, is that there aren't any boxes and we can't get those boxes. We can't get our exports out. Um, there's even been some carriers that at some certain points when it was really bad saying, you know, we're, we're going to eliminate all exports right now. We're just going to focus on imports. And so those are the types of things that we need to look at. We need to maintain that balance. You know, you can't be bringing in all these boxes and having them just sit because we don't have warehouse space. You know, we, we need to, and I think that that's what this was really highlighting. I, I did notice also that it only mentioned exporters. Um, it's interesting too. It all, it, like you mentioned, it says encourages, um, which I think was the perfectly appropriate soft language for um, a directive going to an independent agency. Uh, but also it says ensure vigorous enforcement against shippers. So shippers in the industry is talking about the beneficial cargo owner, the actual person who's shipping their goods. In general public, shipping shippers, I think what he, they mean is carriers. Yeah. Um, and so those are the actual yeah. vessels. Yeah, it would seem they do. So does this kind of open a door kind of like, uh, you know, when Congress puts like $100 billion towards environmental, right? They really don't do anything. They put up that money, but it gives those regulatory agencies this direction to say, hey, we need to start doing this and, and, and edging companies to there. Does it does it at least do that, open the door for others to actually take action or give FMC some type of fire, fire, firepower to actually do something or get some teeth into their policies? Well, I think so. So this paired with something else that's been talked about recently, Chairman Maffei, um, the chairman of the FMC, um, recently talked about a an MOU, so Memorandum of Understanding between the Federal Maritime Commission and Department of Justice, so essentially like the lawyers of the government, DOJ, as we all know, um, that, that's going to be coming soon. And so I think DOJ is an agency that the, that the administration kind of controls, so to speak. Um, so I think that that's where the, the teeth are going to be in this. So this is in general saying we encourage the FMC to take these actions. But the behind the scenes work is going to be the MOU with DOJ and really kind of working with DOJ on some of this. Like I said, it's important to remember that the FMC does have delegated authority. And so the DOJ needs to defer to the FMC when it comes to specifically carved out FMC matters. But they certainly can use the extra help. You know, I mean, and certainly when the DOJ comes knocking on your door, everybody gets a little nervous. And sure. the FMC. <laughs> well, it, the, I guess the last component here is it's talking about detention and demerge charges. So is there anything they can do here to help with those? I know companies are getting hammered by them. Well, so I, the FMC is looking at kind of bad actors, like I said before. So um, certainly the the demerge side of things is um, how long the, the cargo is staying on the lot, who's going to be paying for the cargo. Um, you know, remember, demerge is supposed to be a pass-through cost. Demerge is essentially charging rent for your box sitting on the yard um, and trying to incentivize you to get it off the yard. And so if... If you're just letting it sit there, the longer you let it sit there every day, and then sometimes there's incremental after five days and it exponentially increases. Um, and so that's where these exorbitant demerge charges are coming. Um, so th there's two pools of thought on this. There, there could be that people are just leaving it and they're, they're not, um, you know, they're not able to get their box off the yard because congestion is just so bad or 
or ports don't have the supported infrastructure. Or you could say that it has to do with a bad actor and somebody's charging these these um, demerge charges wrongfully. And and really, you know, you should be allowing that they might be charging demerge charges, but they might be on a government hold. You know, CBP might be actually reviewing what's in the box. But in the meantime, the shipper, the, the cargo owner can't go get their stuff, but they're still being charged for it. So going back to the first pool of thought, though, on that, the the infrastructure, the AAPA, the American Association of Port Authorities, has been really vocal um, as an advocate for the industry to get to say we need more funding for our infrastructure. And, and certainly, whether that's the reason or not, it's never going to hurt anybody to have a more efficient and better infrastructure port system generally. So whether that's the problem or not, we need more voices saying we need more fun- funding at the ports. I think that the this administration has been wonderful in making sure that maritime, specifically ports, stays as part of the conversation on this infrastructure bill and just in infrastructure generally. I mean, we all know that everything happens at the port. 90% of everything goes by ocean shipping. However, it doesn't often get to be part of the conversation. And so another big, big factor of this, another really great highlight of this executive order is that maritime was mentioned. You know, the Federal Maritime Commission was mentioned at all. And that's that's a huge win. So we were on a list of baggage fees for for um, aviation, yeah, you know, non-compete right. clauses for, for when you leave a workplace. I mean, those are pretty general public, you know, that, that's going to make the news. The Maritime doesn't make the news unless a ship gets stuck in the Suez. Correct. True. Hey, Lauren, people who want more information about uh, breakdowns of this, this uh, what's going on with the FMC, there's few people as knowledgeable about you. So where should I send them to? Sure. So um, Squall Strategies LLC is my company. Um, you can follow me on Twitter, which is Lauren underscore Began, B as in boy, E-A-G-E-N. Um, you can give me a, a shoot me an email at lbegan at squallstrategies.com um, or follow me on LinkedIn. Thank, thank you, Lauren. Excellent. We appreciate it. Now. Now we're going to go to our CEO and founder. It's Craig Fuller. Craig, any plans to go up to space like Richard Branson? You know, I'm a couple billion dollars short on that donor, but keep (laughs) at it. Keep building the brand and uh, we might get there. (laughs) You have a new drive. Get Craig to space. (laughs) Well, he's a bit of these. you're, You're a bit of an aviator recently, right? I know you've been jumping back in that Fuller flyer. Yeah. You know, I've been flying since I was 13 years old. Uh, but I stopped when I was 20, uh, college took over and I got back into it, uh, last couple of months. So I bought a, a small aircraft. It's an amphibian it flies in water and in the air. Uh, so I'm excited that, uh, that's what I've been doing in my, all the free time that I have. So I, I'm not, I'm much lower than Mr. Branson, uh, went this weekend, uh, by about 248,000 <laughs> feet, but, uh, it's been a good time. So. Well, it's okay. We sometimes we need you back here on the ground, Craig. I, lo- I love that you. I, I worry though, if I did go to space, that you guys wouldn't want me to come back. So there are days. I know. Uh, no, I want you to bring us with us. We'll do the first "What the Truck" from space. Yeah, we'll, we'll get- we're gonna call that. We're gonna come up with a better name. It's not "What the Truck." It's. We'll, God, we'll, 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 we'll work on it. I yeah. love that you calculated the footage. Do you have like a thing on the wall where you ma- measure your height as a kid, where you're getting higher and higher, closer to that 250,000 square well, feet? It is pretty easy because <laughs> I'm like 2,000 feet. Because uh, yeah. I, I, when I fly, I stay near the water. Uh, so I fly over the Tennessee and I'm actually below. So I live in the mountains. I'm actually oftentimes uh, fly below my house uh, level. Uh, because I'm landing on water, uh, so I, I'm not up high. Uh, I, I don't <laughs> go, go high. Uh, I think he was at 250,000 feet. So it's pretty easy math, Michael. 
Yeah, yeah, it yeah. Is. Well, it look, is. Craig, we need you here because we have a huge event coming up, right? It's yeah. uh, F3. It's the Festival of Freight. Everybody, you know, we've had these virtual walls around mm-hmm. us. They've been great. They've connected a ton of people, but everybody wants that flesh and blood, that in-person experience. And I know that we have a great one that you and the team are planting, even a, a planning. You announced some bands that are going to be on there. So tell us a little bit about what F3 is and uh, what your vision is for it. Yeah, so it's the future of Freight Festival, uh, which is uh, really what F3 stands for. And the idea is that if you think about a lot of conferences, you know, you even our conferences tend to be very content heavy. Uh, our conferences have always been sort of more immersive in terms of actually, rather than talking about technology, giving people a chance to demonstrate in, in uh, technology with all senses. So uh, that's how we've built our brand and our events. And that's why for many people, they're the go-to event because you actually see technology live. It's immersive. People do deals. So one of the things we thought about uh, doing with F3 was could we actually create an environment where people are active inside the community? And that was really what we've uh, purposed F3 to be. Because let's be honest, the reason people go to events is not just for the content. It's the networking, the partying, the fun with friends. And everybody's been cooped up for the last year. And um, they want to go back to these uh, events, but they want to be selective at which ones they do. I think just going into a to a ballroom and listen to someone yammer about technology and theory is not very exciting. What you want to do is be immersed in it, uh, as well as be able to go out and party with your friends and, and network and just have a great time. And that's really the idea of F3. One of the cool things about hosting it in Chattanooga is not only is it supporting the local community as it sort of comes out of this COVID quarantine, which is really important to me as a Chattanooga native, but it also gives us the opportunity to have some of the technology uh, actually be on display. So things like autonomous vehicles and drones and all of that technology that is out in the field will actually be out there so you can experience it firsthand, which I think is really, really cool. Yeah, so uh, Craig, you know, being a part of this from the from the very first uh, Freight Waves Live, et cetera, it's always been incredibly, uh, as you always put it, badass, right? And and they are, and this one obviously is, and and one of those aspects that I've talked to many people about is the ability to create that that community and go beyond that ballroom. Can you talk about that and the importance and and what's going on at F3 that builds that community around Freightways and around that tech and around this great industry that we, that we all three of us and and many others love? Well, we've got 30 different locations that we're hosting. So it, it all starts, the convention center is sort of the core where the core stage is, but then it, then it branches out inside the community. So the downtown area, which you guys are familiar with, maybe the, the viewers aren't, is, you know, essentially a five mile, square mile area where you go from the river uh, all the way over to what we call Southside, which is sort of this, this confined area. You could walk it in about an hour if you walk from one side to the other. But there's also public, uh, free public busing uh, as well, electric shuttles, by the way. Uh, as well as bikes that you can rent that you're able to sort of go from one area of the city to the other. It's a very small downtown area. And so we're taking advantage of that and making that part of the experience is really bringing in a lot of locations. So in addition to being able to hear from some of the top uh, thought leaders, as well as being able to immerse yourself in technology, we're getting out in a community where autonomous vehicles, drones, other automation technology will be, you'll be able to 
to sense it. You'll be able to touch it. You'll be able to feel it. You'll be able to ride on it. All of that stuff's going to happen. But then we finish the evening with live entertainment. So it's everything from uh, uh, just uh, we have live bands. These are recording artists. We're not announcing the names just yet because that stuff is you have to get it approved, and we're we're not, we're still in the final stages of, of approving the, the the announcements. But uh, basically, these are uh, five. Will be seven by the time we're done. Uh, what I would call recording artists that, um, if you know the genre, the chances are you know the you know the uh, you know the the, the the musician. So the goal is to get everybody immersed in it and party and just have a great time. We've also got a drone show that we're planning uh, as well. Uh, so you'll be able to just—it's just, just going to be awesome. Like it's a party, man. Yeah, like, this is Coachella yeah. for freak professional. Well, <laughs> and, and you know, and what the truck? Some people got nervous when you put the bands up. They said, "Well, what about the what the truck jug band? That's still going to go on. You guys are going to still come on stage with what that the truck." That is the headline act, dude. <laughs> it has to be. That is. You didn't be. know this, but we have a recording. I mean, you know it because yeah, we're going to do a a what the truck recording, and uh, it's going to be pretty pretty awesome. So. <laughs> awesome. a great show. Well, hey, we're at the midway point in the year. It's been a wild market. And I rem- I can remember over a year ago at home, you had a debate with Zach Strickland. And it was the bull versus the bear. And at the time, you took the uh, the bull position, right? And the market really kind of never slowed down since then. So here we are a year later. What's your perspective on the market? What are we looking at? Yeah, I think, look, I, uh, it's interesting because looking back on that, uh, I think Zach had an unfortunate position because he had to be the contrarian. I think early on, he truly was a contrarian and sort of owned that. But it was interesting when we did the second debate, he truly wasn't. Like he had to play the part because that was what we Mm -hmm. uh, agreed to do. But the reality was that he was like, I I don't even know if I can find negative data because it was obvious. Um, I think for me, the chart sort of told everything. uh, And I was certainly among the most bullish people in the market last year. I would say where my view is now is that – the market's probably, I think, as stretched as it's going to be. I don't think it's when I say we hit peak, it doesn't mean that things fall apart from here on out. Uh, but it does mean that we're probably not going to see further acceleration and tightness and exponential growth and rate. Now, there are certain segments like ocean that's certainly uh, experiencing still exponential growth. Uh, but I don't think trucking is going to see that. I think trucking spot rates have peaked uh, for this cycle. Uh, volume isn't going to necessarily slow down, but uh, capacity is coming back. It's coming back quickly. I think a lot of people don't give it credit for how fast it's coming because the larger fleets are having problems finding drivers. But there is a lot of data uh, showing growth of small fleets and, and small fleet operators are adding capacity as well. So I, I think the, the capacity situation is going to come back sooner than a lot, a lot of people really want to believe. Uh, and when we have the market reset with that, uh, it's just going to be more balanced. I, I think government back in 2018, we had two things happen. We had growth of capacity because a lot of people believe the ELD mandate was going to take away. And that's, you got to remember when people think that, that this time is different or capacity is going to remain tight, it's really not a good thing if you own trucks because it means everybody else thinks that is buying trucks. They're very bullish. Um, and so I think that's what's happening right now. I think in second, going into second quarter of next year, the market's going to be probably balanced um, and we'll see some, uh, I, I think, more steady market. I, I still think it'll be strong because back in 18, we had the tariffs, which really hurt a lot of the industrial de- demand 
freight uh, demand, uh, whereas now it, it doesn't appear that there's any industrial slowdown. Yeah, you know, Craig, over the last 18 months, especially, there's been uh, some of this craziness has caused some freight horror stories for for many people. I know I certainly have some. Dooner has some. We're going to be talking to some other people. Can you share a a personal story of yours, a freight horror story in your past? Yeah, well, I've got a bunch of them, but um, (laughs) I'm built into my life and I built an addition. I'm in my my new home office uh, here at the house. And so we started it in July of last year. And so everything from windows to flooring, to I have furniture that's not here. Just to, you can imagine, pile it up. We, we had a lot of problems getting things in play. Uh, we still have stuff that's not here. Um, and so that was sort of my experience. But it was one sort of quick story. Uh, there was a delay on my pro- something. I think it was windows coming in. And the, uh, the vendor, and it was the week of the Suez Canal issue. The vendor claimed that the reason the freight wasn't there was because it was on that boat that was in the Suez Canal. And I'm like, you're so full of <laughs> Like, you are literally making stuff up. You cannot tell me that. I know better. I'm like, no, that thing's in the Middle East. And my stuff should be here in the in the coastal cities. It has nothing to do with it. I think, I think certainly vendors... It's interesting because a lot of companies have gotten away with sort of its supply chain issues is now sort of the default go-to. Um, I think oftentimes that's true, but I also think a lot of companies are using that as a way to explain every service issue they have. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah it's, and, and that's the worst freight too is the personal use freight that doesn't show up on time. the house, which you know, in addition, effectively is a new is a new house in many ways. Um, you you have all these dependent interdependencies, and and when one thing, whether it's windows or floors or or even wood that lumber that's delayed. Uh, it, it, it shuts everything down. And that's, I think that's what is not understood about supply chain is that oftentimes the reason we're not seeing production is because it's all of these very minor components that go into the finished good that are being delayed. And I think that's the stuff that people don't realize. It's, it's not it's not we can't build a car. It's that we're missing a semiconductor or a small piece to the transmission uh, that's holding up car production. So the more complicated your products are, uh, I think the, the worst it is. I, one more thing I'll leave you with you guys is I was on a conversation this morning with a, a top hundred shipper and they said in their industry that Chinese companies, Chinese manufacturing is actually building plants in the United States to build product, which was which was surprising to me that we've seen sort of reverse offshoring uh, taking place. Yeah, well, that's hey, very interesting. And, and Craig, before we let you go, I know that we have about 30, maybe even 40 jobs. Who knows? We keep growing, so we keep adding. A lot of other people are in the industry as well. Why should someone come over to FreightWaves? Well, it's a great time to join. If you're going to be involved in the supply chain and you're part of an organization that provides intelligence and information, I don't think there's a better time and a more relevant business than providing real-time information and context for what's happening on supply chain. We all know how important that is right now. Uh, is giving people perspective on what's happened. I like to think we do that. You know, we we have badass benefits, which means we we have benefits, which are, um, I continue to hear how great our benefits are, uh, just in terms of comparison. Uh, the company is continuing to grow, uh, almost triple digits. Uh, and sort of a milestone we, that happened this quarter is in the month of May and June, the company generated positive cash flow. We have $47 million in liquidity currently available at Freightways, which is on the balance sheet and available to us. Um, uh, and, and so, 
and we're not burning cash. So most startups, if you're burning cash, you're always worried about dilution. With every one of our uh, members of our team being our owner, it means the fact that we're generating cash flow means that your ownership value continues to increase. So you don't have to worry about diluting at an insignificant value. And I think it's interesting. It's a different time for us because we have lots of money coming into the bank, not from investors, but from operations. Uh, so it, it positions us quite well. Nice. Yeah. Hey. Excellent stuff. <laughs> we'll vouch for it too. Come yeah, blow it. Away. We're going to spend every dime of that at F3. <laughs> <laughs> We're not going to do that. We're going to spend some of it. We're not doing We need more all. LEDs. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, Craig, thank you. I don't know how you spend $47 million, but we can try. <laughs> we can try. We can send you to space. Hey, That'll I do it. Say you, can do, you can do whatever you want on your last day. Absolutely. <laughs> we need more LEDs, Craig. More LEDs. Well, Craig, hey, we'll get plenty of them. I do think they've gone down in price. One of the advantages of, of live <laughs> events is that uh, all of the entertainment stuff. But I would tell you, booking musical acts is nearly impossible right now. We've had yeah. to. Oh. Even acts that used to go for fifty dollars or $100,000 are now quoting us half a million uh, if they'll even take the gig. So wow. it's, it's a crazy time, but it's going to be a hell of a party. So. Yeah, well, awesome. we'll perform for a fraction of that half million, too. <laughs> Thank you yeah. so much, Craig. We appreciate your time today. Everyone, <laughs> go to live.freightways.com. Click on F3. Also, catch us at our Autonomous Vehicle Summit that's coming Amen. up on Wednesday. Hey, so we're talking about freight horror stories. You know, you don't want your cargo stolen, do no, you? That's you absolutely never don't. a good experience. Well, no. thankfully, Scott Cornell's back to join us today. Travelers National Practice Lead for Transportation, Crime, and Theft Specialist. Scott, nice to have you back. Let's face it, 2020 through the first half of 2021 has been one for the record books on so many levels yeah thanks for having us back guys it's uh it's been it's been a while hey dooner i want to just mention i saw that interview that you did with your dad uh jerry on uh on on video there that was a great interview so i thought i'd mention that to you uh when we start today but um thank you i appreciate uh, that yeah yeah, 2020 was uh was definitely you know a year we saw some significant shifts for sure yeah, it was. So, hey, Scott, can you tell us what Traveler's been uh, seeing in terms of uh, theft trends in relation to economic shifts and what we've been experiencing uh, with the pandemic? Quite often, significant events are going to result in major shifts in cargo theft trends. We, we know that. And, and when, when the three of us have spoken in the past, we've talked about the fact, you know, the golden rule that cargo thieves are going to steal what they know that they can sell. So if we take a, you know, I, I don't want to I don't want to rehash the whole thing, but we've talked about it in the past that so we go back in time a little bit. For the longest time, as an example, electronics have been the number one targeted commodity in the country for a long time, leading all the way up to about 2008. And then in 2008, we saw that economic downturn hit <clears throat> and people return to basics. Uh, they get away from what we might call luxury items, things like that. So at that time, uh, the, the number one target by 2010 had changed from electronics to food and beverage. And, and we know that with food and beverage, they realized, hey, this is a great uh, commodity to steal. It's consumable. The evidence disappears. It's difficult to trace, unlike electronics, where there's barcodes and serial numbers and warranties and things like that, whereas the evidence with food and beverage disappears quickly uh, or will spoil, things like that. And then we see the pandemic hit, right? And there's another big economic shift. And we saw, you know, 2020, just as a, as a summary, we saw almost a 30% increase overall in 2020 in cargo theft. And in the second quarter, when everything was at its peak, in that quarter alone, there was a 63% increase in the second quarter. Uh, and for the first time since 2010, we saw food and beverage 
now with another significant shift move out of that number one spot and home goods becomes the number one stolen commodity for 2020. And when you think about it, right, that really makes sense because people were confined uh, working from home. They were confined to their houses a bit more, uh, being cautious and staying home and working from home. And what did we hear? We heard that people were remodeling their offices or making space at home to do things or improving things at home. And and so that, that makes sense. And that, and that also includes things like, you know, furniture, appliances, cleaning supplies. And then kindly enough, CargoNet, who we use for these statistics and the numbers that I'm quoting to you, was kind enough to give me a little bit of a teaser for their second quarter report coming out in, in, in 2021 for our, our discussion today, uh, shows that, uh, you know, electronics has actually moved back into that number one spot so far in 2021 with building supplies in the number two spot and food and beverage in the number three spot. So, so some significant changes there and triggered by events. Yeah. Well, I mean, that would uh, home goods too. makes perfect sense. What you're saying there Uh, personally, I'm waiting four months on a couch. If that got stolen, I would be even (laughs) who knows how that, how much longer that would delay it or or any areas of the country more, more vulnerable than now. I have a, now I have a complex, Michael Vincent, are any areas of the country more vulnerable than others? Uh, Well, we saw, we also saw a significant shift in that. So that's the second big significant shift we saw for as long as we can remember California was the number one state in the nation for cargo theft. And for the first time in 2020, we saw Texas surpass California as the number one state in the nation for cargo theft. What's significant about that is that it's not as though California's numbers went down. Their numbers still went up. Texas's numbers really jumped. So they went from 120 for the prior year reported to 232, which is a significant jump. And again, uh, CargoNet giving us a little bit of a, of a head start for 2021's second quarter. We did see California so far in 2021 take that number one spot back, with Texas still very close at number two. So we'll see how it shakes out for the year 2021. When you look at those two states, there's a lot of commonalities, right? They're, they're large states, big population, big economies, port cities. Uh, so you know there's going to be a lot of freight moving around in both those states. You know, there's going to be a lot of demand. And so the cargo thieves are going to react to that. Yeah, absolutely. Really interesting stuff that's going on. How do you guys at Travelers, how do you go about collecting information and how can you use that uh, for your customer's advantage? Well, in 2005, we created our SIG team, our special investigations team uh, that investigates cargo theft 24-7, 365 for free for our clients. And and around 2011, we started actually tracking numbers and, and really paying attention to that. And since that time, uh, Travelers recovered 65, over $65 million in stolen goods for the clients. And we also engaged the clients uh, on theft prevention training. You know, we have three patents around our risk mitigation and theft prevention products. Uh, one we received recently, so we're hoping that we can bring a new product to, to the market and available for our clients pretty soon. Yeah, that's very cool. So based on your experience, can you share any uh, insights for uh, tracking missing cargo? It's always been very interesting to me to know and, and, and take notice of the various regional patterns that we see when we work and develop and solve these cases. So our team investigates a wide range of cases, and that gives us good information. And, and we know things over the years we've learned certain patterns of movement. for us. So, for example, experience tells us that if a load of electronics is stolen in that Memphis area, it's 
likely to be headed to the Miami area, and we're gonna we're gonna begin the investigation there in my in Memphis, but we're gonna also begin that investigation in Miami, anticipation that it might end up down there. And, and another example would be you know cargo stolen in Georgia will likely uh, either remain local in some small part or head down to that Miami area. So we know how things funnel. We also know how to look for some of this stuff on the internet and how to work with law enforcement to find some of those sellers. So that that real life experience gives us these patterns and this knowledge. Hey, I think we've learned a lot about trends in cargo theft. Thanks for taking the time with us today. Scott, where should we send people to to learn more about this issue? Travelers.com slash transportation resources. There you go. There you go. Thank you so much for your time today, Scott. Thanks, guys. Have a great day. Now he's got me worried that my, my couch. Oh my I, couch I know you're. you're uh, hey, it's in the Suez. <laughs> what? what? I mean, like, already waiting six months for the couch. All right. Again, we'd like to thank our friends at Legend Transportation for sponsoring today's episode. Legend partners with strategic customers while providing seamless solutions for its drivers and is West Regional's premier freight transportation company. Learn more at Tell Them, dude. Hey, man, go to newlegendinc.com immediately after the show. Hey, and now we have Michael Lito. He's CEO over at Emerge. How's Chicago treating you today, Michael? I'm in Scottsdale. We're, we're Scottsdale. Oh, why did I think you were in Chicago today? We're the, uh, we're the only ones that try to build freight brokerages and, and technology companies in the freight industry outside of Chicago these days. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why I thought you were in Chicago today. Someone said you were in Chicago, and I'm like, oh, okay. I'll say hi to him in Chicago. Well, how you, how's Scottsdale treating you today? Scottsdale's, uh, it's a little hot, but, uh, you know, the sunshine, I, I can't complain. <laughs> yeah, well, sir, we brought you on to talk about some freight horror stories, and one of the ones that you told me about was this shipment for uh, Floyd Mayweather. So tell us a little bit about what happened. Ah, oh, check well, that out. That's the end result of that shipment. So what happened? <laughs> that's hot freight yeah, right there. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, it was, uh, it was 2013, 2014, and we were just uh, really, really starting to get a lot of traction as far as our full truckload division was concerned. And actually, we didn't do the shipment for Floyd Mayweather. So what really happened was, is one of our, our, our actual, our biggest customer at the time, uh, my, my sales rep came up to me and said, hey, our, our biggest customer, the CEO of the company is asking to uh, ship his vehicles from California to Florida. He's going on vacation for three months and he wants to bring his two Bentleys, his Rolls Royce, his uh, Toyota Prius. And I said, look, no, we, we don't ship cars. You know, we don't, uh, we didn't have the authority to ship cars. Um, so we kind of like, you know, we, we had this bro- other broker that I co-brokered with in order to move vehicles, but all day the sales rep is like, Hey, come on, we got to do this favor. We got to do this favor. And I said, no, no, we don't ship cars. This always, this always ends up poorly. By the end of the day, he wore me down. Uh, I said, all right, go ahead. Let's, let's go ahead and do it. And the next morning I woke up, I went to the gym at, uh, about six 30 in the morning and I get a call from my director of operations and he says, are you sitting down? And I was like, uh, no, I'm not, I'm not sitting down. He's like, you're going to need to sit down for this one. I was like, okay. He goes, well, uh, I'm going to send you a link. And the link is a TM, it's on TMZ. And the load that we brokered for our customer who were, where we sent the cars that you didn't want us to send uh, is up in flames in the middle of the Arizona desert right now. And I was like, oh, geez. And the, the, the funny part is, is, you know, Floyd Mayweather also had vehicles on that car, on the, on the truck as well. So, you know, he had, I think, uh, like a Bronco and another Rolls Royce on there. So we're talking 
you know, two million dollars worth of vehicles on this truck. And I guess uh, what happened was uh, there was a, a, a chain that was that was on the back of the truck. It, it caught sparked. The floor of the truck caught on fire. The Toyota Prius with the battery then caught on fire. And then if you watch that video, you actually hear a lot of popping. And, you know, that's the all the batteries starting to pop. And the whole thing was it, it was a total loss. The truck, the trailer, every single vehicle on it. It was uh, it was a mess. Oh, it's like a Final Destination movie with like the, the chain. I'm just seeing the sparks coming up and it's just going up the bed. The eerie, ominous music playing. What, so what happens? Yeah, after, was, what uh, happens in the outcome, like the aftermath of that? So you see it on TMZ. You see it burning. Yeah. You, you get a clear head. It's the next day. Where do you go from there? Yeah, so, you know, at that point, the trucking company has obviously had insurance. The co-broker that we did business with had insurance. Both of those companies ended up going out of business. The trucking company is no longer in business. The uh, car broker is no longer in business. So the insurance companies took care of most of it. Uh, we ended up having to come in and, and take care of a small amount in the end. And uh, that was it. That customer uh, then did not do it. They were, went from our number one customer to not doing business with us at all uh, the next week. So it was uh, it was kind of a disaster for it. Wow. Wow. Did he come after you to try and, try and kill you or anything like that? Did Mayweather come in? Yeah, I thought Floyd Mayweather was going to show up at the door. And, you know, I know he's a defensive boxer, but even even at that, I'm, I'm sure he would uh, he would just annihilate me in less than 10 seconds. So I'm glad that that didn't happen. Right. Suddenly you see a Logan Paul standing in front of the uh, Emerge offices. Yeah, Logan Paul is your as your bodyguard moving forward. Uh, and there's I a think situation. Logan, I think Logan Paul was like eight years old at the time. But, yeah. <laughs> you probably take probably wouldn't help. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody got in the distance. Well, there was another story that um, when you when I was first put out, I was looking for some freight horror stories. You told me there was a situation between a bad word and a and a customer, and it and it may have led to uh, a near murder or something. Tell us about that one. Yeah, so we had an employee, and uh, he, he lied to a customer. He was a brand-new employee. He'd only been with us for a couple weeks. And he made the cardinal sin of telling a customer that they, their shipment was over the road when he put it on the rail. And so they're trying to figure out what's going on with this truck. And he's saying, oh, well, the trucks broke down, uh, you know, giving every excuse in the book. And finally, the, the lady just really, you know, she got pretty firm with him. And uh, he called her a bad name. So we got a call uh, about a half an hour later from her husband, who was her business partner. And he told our director of sales that he was going to come and he was going to, he literally, he used the word murder, me and him and the kid, <laughs> the kid that, the, the kid that called his wife a, a bad name. So, uh, you know, we were kind of like, all right, is he, you know, this guy lives in Chicago. Is he really going to come? Uh, that was at about nine o'clock in the morning at 2.30 p.m., he walks up, all of a sudden I see two very large individuals with uh, a balder head than me and uh, big leather jackets on. And I was like, oh, geez, this is, this is about to happen. Uh, so they come to the front desk. I, I went up there and, and try and head them off before they uh, got anywhere else. And I said, look, I just want to let you guys know I know why you're here, uh, but I'm the only one. Your, your freight is on a train. I'm the only one that can get it off. So you can come with me and we can talk in this office. And we could do things in a very civilized manner, or you're never going to get that freight off that off the train. So they kind of like calmed down. They were pretty pissed at first. Uh, we ended up having to terminate that employee, but uh, they definitely came and they looked like they had business. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, hey, that's, that's insane. I, I didn't get I didn't get killed in the office, but we had this one situation where uh, this 
two employees had one employee had an affair with another one, right? Oh no! And this this girl, she you know, was a, she was the baby mama of this guy's uh, yeah. Uh, this guy. yeah. He was in prison, right? Yeah. He was getting out of prison. He found out that she was she was messing around. So this guy was coming to the office looking for the guy. So they had to pass out mugshots of this dude um, because he was just looking for a guy in his twenties, a, a white guy in his twenties, which you know described me as well as a few other guys. So yeah. we had to be careful. Yeah. We had to get escorted off FedEx property. But the thing was, like, they didn't they didn't walk with you after you're off the property. Then you're on your own. Yeah. Then you, yeah. They don't, <laughs> <laughs> not, yeah. Yeah. Security only like goes so prison. far in that instance. Right? It only does. Well, hey, th- I mean, those are. Look, it's been a tough time. There's a lot of people that are very stressed out in, in supply chains. So customer service is paramount. So how do you stay on top of it? So you gave some horror stories. What are some wins? Yeah, I mean, right now we're, uh, we're, we're really just trying to change the way that freight is procured. You know, full truckload freight is procured here in the U.S. And, uh, you know, we've got a lot of great stories. You know, a lot of our, our shippers who have usually had to have, be on, a, you know, an annual cadence as far as RFPs and uh, you know, running their annual bids are concerned, we give them a, a dynamic way to be able to run their bids. So, you know, it's kind of saving a lot of companies right now, not locking in pricing now when the when the market's volatile and being able to kind of be nimble and put out, you know, 30, 60, 90 day bids. So it's been uh, it's been great for our shippers and, um, you know, just watching them and watching some of these most sophisticated shippers in the U.S. change the way that they procure because our platform is really that valuable to them. So it's been uh, it's been a great ride for us. Yeah, so you guys are you guys are hiring as most people are out there. You've got positions that are open. So, what what is why should people why is Emerge the place to work? What's so great about Emerge? Yeah, with uh, you know, in our our companies, we always win you know culture awards, best places to work awards, and it's really it comes down to one thing is you know, we always have a, a pretty lofty goal, and you know we put that in front of our people and we communicate with them on a daily basis. We're very transparent in what we're trying to do. And, you know, we grow really fast, you know, not, from, not only from a personnel standpoint, but revenue standpoint as well. So it really just, you know, it's, it's a lot of energy and, and um, you know, it, it really feels, you know, people come up and, and tell me that they feel like they're part of something that's important for the first time, you know, in their career. So that's really what we try to do is just try to make things fun, uh, you know, try to tackle and, and solve really big issues and, um, you know, always drive forward every day. And I think people really appreciate that. Yeah, we talked to uh, John Cox from DHL Supply Chain. We just asked him what like a solutions designer does, and he yeah. started off that answer by saying he, in the past year, he'd never been so proud to work in logistics, and um, because now regular people, normal people, just ask you questions about supply chain, and oh, yeah. you see the headlines all the time, not just in the freight waves of the world, but in much more of the mainstream media, especially you know you have Biden putting out executive orders, those kind of things, huge, huge unicorn deals coming out, a lot of money sloshing around. Is is Emerge going to take any interest? this year in that capital market oh yeah you know we're uh we're you know you kind of as as entrepreneurs you're always kind of in uh uh fundraising mode all the time you know we uh we we always want to make sure that this company you know our companies are well funded um you know that we have uh you know a few year runway and so we continually do that so yeah there's a lot of money pumping in and you know it's great it's you know it's because of the you know the convoys and the ubers and the transfixes of the world um you know why this why this money's pumping in so you know, all of us together and, and um, you know, uh, having a pandemic and toilet paper shortage, if that's what it took to get people really excited about our industry. I mean, you know, that's uh, if that's what it took, that's what it took. But, um, you know, I, I see a lot of money coming in and, uh, yeah, we're definitely going to take advantage of that for sure. Yeah, it's an exciting time to be in this in, in this industry, man. At 34 years, couldn't be more proud to be in this industry. And it's great to see it kind of 
in its heyday, although the reasons for it I'm not not so happy about, right? But, <laughs> so we've, we've had an interesting, obviously, last 18 months and first half of this year. What are you seeing as trends moving into the second half of this year? We just started the second half. What do you see going on? Yeah, I think it's, uh, you know, I, I think all the analysts are predicting that it's going to be pretty volatile, volatile, you know, through Q4. So, you know, I think the second half of the year is going to be just as crazy as the first half of the year. And, uh, you know, it might loosen up a little bit as far as capacity is concerned. But, you know, I think it's going to be pretty tight here going through Q4. And then um, obviously Q1, we're, we're hoping to get a little bit of uh, a little bit of relief at that point for, for some of our shippers. That's really what we're you know, trying to do is, is solve pain points for our shippers. And I know that this is a, a big one. So, uh, you know, anytime the market can loosen up and, and there's more uh, more capacity to choose from, it's a, it's a win-win for our shippers. Hey, I keep seeing all those Arizonians walking around behind you through the glass over there. Is that you back at full force in office? Is it a hybrid mode, all hands on deck? What is, uh, what is emerge as you emerge from the pandemic? Really bad pun. Um, what, what is it? What's it like in the office right now? Yeah, so we're, uh, we do like a voluntary work from home and, you know, about 80, 75% of our staff are in office. So, you know, if anybody has an underlying condition or they live with somebody that could be at risk, then they have the opportunity to, uh, to work from home. Uh, otherwise, everybody wants to be here. You know, there's, uh, like I said, we've got, we've got lofty goals and we've got, uh, you know, our people, um, uh, you know, are, are raring and ready to go. So they like coming in, they like the energy. And, um, you know, so 75% of the staff being in, it's not, not too shabby. I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah. There, there was some guy who just behind you had his like face pressed up against the glass. <laughs> I know he was like Garfield. On yeah. The you know, we got, we got a lot going on over here. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, what, what is on your desk? So what's next for you? What are you like? I got to get back. It's Monday. You got to chop wood this week. What are you chopping? Yeah. So we, uh, we've got some new RFP events that are starting here this week. Uh, one of the top 10 largest shippers in the U.S. is uh, is piloting with us. So we're going to be watching that one real closely and uh, making sure that they have a great experience as they start to change the way that they procure. Wow. So, Michael, spin that wheel. Oh, okay. Spin that wheel for me. we got to give you a trip around the wheel of stupid questions. Okay. There we go. Oh, that's one of my favorite ones. We got you right here. So you're on Undercover Boss, right? How do you trick your staff into not realizing that you are Michael Leto? Well, I mean, I'm definitely going to have to get some kind of a long wig. Uh, we're going to have to get some uh, some painted on facial hair or glue some facial hair on. I'll probably have to use some kind of an accent. Maybe I'll go British, you know, maybe a British accent just to throw them off a little bit or something. Give us your best. Oh, no, it's, it's very early. You know, it's early in the morning out here in Arizona. <laughs> in Arizona. <laughs> Well, hey, but we I will pre- tell you, it was yeah. nice to see. Uh, it was nice to see Italy beat England yesterday. I don't know if you uh, if you guys followed that or caught it, but Italy won the won the Euro. We did. I, I saw, saw they went that. to kicks. Right? They they went all the way to kicks at the end. Yeah, it was it was super exciting. It's fun. Yeah. Well, hey, Michael, we appreciate you. Hopefully, we see you down here in November at F three. Craig Fuller did a big uh, big pitch for it earlier, telling us what had in store with five seven major league bands, all that kind of stuff. It's going to be a good good time. Awesome, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I appreciate you guys. Thank you. Take care. Take it easy. Thanks, Michael. Yeah, check out Mer- check out Emerge. But right now, we're going to look at our final pack of dogs from the Dog Days of Freight. You sure they ain't wolves? Howling out Dog Days of Freight. So you heard Craig Floyd tells you all about what's happened in F3. We've been looking at the Dogs of Freight since last Wednesday. We've had over 50 dogs submitted. 
And, uh, you know, it turns out, I said we're going to pick it on Wednesday, Michael Vincent. Well, Wednesday is our Autonomous Vehicle Summit, right? It is. I was confused. Are we still doing that or not? We'll have to draw that at that. Okay. I said yeah, cool. we do it then, we then do it we then. Do you it. still have time to enter. So as uh, as I put in the newsletter, you have until 2 p.m. on uh, tomorrow. 2 p.m. tomorrow. Tomorrow's the 13th, okay. right? Yeah, 2 p.m. Right. Eastern Time tomorrow, the 13th. Second look at our first dog here. Comes in from Taylor Monks, Basic Blocks founder and CEO. A beautiful founder dog. and CEO. He's got a beautiful dog named Mimi, which turns out to be one of the rarest dogs in the world, right? Yeah. yeah. And uh, I said, uh, you know, one fact about her, it turns out that, uh, and actually that dog's called a Mundi, right? Or a Moody. A Moody. M-U-D-I. Yeah, Moody. He said if, if, if anybody lost the dog, uh, they would lose their friend forever. Well. Yeah. You hired yeah. me on WAG. Yeah, no doubt yeah. about it. No doubt about it. Only 300 in the U.S. I looked this up. Less than 1,000 yeah. of those dogs. Because Logistics dogs. Was, uh, was, on, on, um, was on on Friday. We have a couple dogs. We missed the cut there. Beautiful Boston Terrier right here. Love that dog. Planning with the calendar, of course, as you must <laughs> in a logistics <laughs> oh, department. Yeah. And then below it, we have a little Furby or a Gizmo, whatever that dog's name is, with the, <laughs> with the black ears. That was actually the one I was looking for on Friday. It just didn't make it into dog the ass. That dog is older. dressed out, my friend. It is. Well, <laughs> living the life over there. Another relaxed dog is a, uh, a golden doodle. Mr. Craig Fuller has one of those as well. We didn't see That's Ellie right. on. Um, yeah. We didn't see Ellie on the show today. Maybe no. she was uh, busy running out in the yard. I don't think he's not eligible. To win. Well, this is Michael Caney's dog. This is Penny Lane. <laughs> Penny Lane is also a golden doodle who uh, loves to relax on the porch. Yeah, quite obviously, right? Check that out. Beautiful gold doodle. Time for a little big nice. deal, little deal. So yeah, Let's we'll draw that. We'll draw that on uh, on Wednesday. You can win a ticket to F three. Thank you for submitting those. We appreciate it in the freight community. Some people have been asking for cats. I don't know. I put a poll out, and it was fifty percent that we should also do a cat one. So that's that's not, not enough. Stuff. I know. I'm getting a stronger enough. pitch from you, cat people out there. You didn't show up big when the we poll was out. So. We need a two thirds majority. Yeah. All right. Well, big <laughs> deal, little deal. Talking about big money, steamship lines, record profits, record earnings. Meanwhile, executive orders coming out, talking about how steamship lines control 80% of the freight, detention, demurrage. For some reason, focusing on exporters, saying that they're putting exporters at a major disadvantage. We yeah. would have preferred they focused on importers. Um, by the way, yeah. hold on, before we get into this one. Okay. What about right. your freight horror story? Going back. My freight. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I have uh, done a lot of silly things in my career. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, you know, one of them that I didn't do, I mean, I, shoot, from losing lobsters in the port of Miami, and, and we, at, uh, at a former, we actually lost the Emmys once. Wow. Um, like the actual awards? Yeah, the actual awards. We actually, we actually lost those. Um, pl- plenty of things. But So two 40-footers of, uh, of plasma TVs going to Blue, uh, Blackbeard's Castle in uh, Charlotte Mile in St. Thomas. Yeah. Transloaded them in our container freight station. Overnight, poof, gone. Gone? Gone. Just gone. Doc Cornell did say for 2021, gone. electronics are back as the number oh, man. one cargo and, But And here's the thing. So this is down in Miami, right? Yeah. So three days later, we find the chassis, just the chassis, in a vacant lot near the Miami River. So, I mean, that, and, and that's how quick it happens, man. They don't even, they just paint the outside of that container, boom, it's on a little ship to wherever. Hey, some it's people gone. would kill for a chassis right now. <laughs> yes, they, Not yes, all is they lost. Would. They'd be like, get that equipment. Stop yeah, whining yeah, about the TVs and bring us the chassis back. Yeah, we're lucky we found our, our chassis. Find that trailer, too. <laughs> yeah. 
No kidding. Yeah, just poof, gone. Yeah, I think. See, mine. I, I think I'm going with that one that I was telling uh, that I was telling Michael Lito about was the was getting uh, the potential for the mistaken identity of having an affair with a yeah. coworker and an ex-con uh, coming after you. Yeah, I've I've had a lot of them. I also mistakenly um, asked. Uh, uh, customs for a warrant when they came into a CFS once. Yeah, <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> don't do it. They carry guns and stuff. That's not a good idea. I mean, the toughest ones are a lot of times were the most personal. Another one was yeah. I was working sales for yeah. this company that I didn't realize how bad their reputation was until yeah. I worked for them. Then I went on a sales call, and I'm sitting in there, and the person goes, "You know, there's only one reason I invite you in here." So, well, what would that be? And he'd be like, "Well, you obviously haven't been with the company you're with very long because you guys tried to sue us over a non-payment thing, and it it got really awkward, man. It got, yeah. it got really awkward." <laughs> All right, well, okay. So, executive order. We started the show talking about the executive order, right? Shipping lines. You you guys know the story. Making record profits. A lot of congestion. A lot of issues. Um, so shipping line CEOs, though, they are seeing a 20% plus pay increase from 2019. Yeah. Merce CEO, Soren Sko, he made $7.1 million in 2020. That was up 24% from 2019. Hatback Lloyd, CEO, Rolf Haben Jensen, he received total compensation of $3.1 million, up 23% from $2.5 million in 2019, amongst others. Big deal or little deal? Uh, man, it's a lot of money. I, yeah. I take it. Um, I... I Hey, they're kicking butt. I, I, I'm not one of those that begrudge them for being CEOs. I'm saying little deal. All right. To me. And their coin. You don't think. You? I think that, okay, I'll, I'll be man of the people. Huge deal. Are their employees, are, are the rest of the company's employee uh, salaries up 23%, 24%? I, I, I don't know. Are they incentivized to do that? Where they, they, they miss incentive? I don't know. I don't know either. I don't know. I don't know. I'm all for fair compensation. Are they spreading just... the love? I'm not sure. This is an investigative report. I don't know how don't much know. salary. I need, I need more information, I guess. I need more information. Line. So here's here's one. And here's I, a company I, giving back, right? What's that? Yeah. Oh yeah. No, no. I'm sorry. So Pilot gifted Daniel Abshire with a Peterbilt Model 389 for 40 years of service as a driver. Now, 40 years of service as a driver mm-hmm. is a big deal, right? Let's talk about this. Yeah, there is no. It's well. First of all, it's not your question to answer. It's mine, and I will say yes, it's it a is. big deal. Don't steal my answer from me. It's okay. a big deal, right? It's not a little deal. Uh, unlike the other ones, well, I, don't, I can't say unlike. We don't know if they're not spreading the love or not. We but Pilot sure is. And here's something cool, though. You know how we talked about Richard Branson? He named the uh, the EVM after uh, after his uh, yeah. mother. Right. Yeah, 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 this yeah. was because his father, Pilot, had noticed that his father, he was also a driver, longtime driver. He drove for 42 years with Pilot Flying J. Uh, they, that gift was inspired by a photo of his dad next to a Peterbilt in 1970. He said, I'm still in shock. I wasn't expecting to be recognized, let alone get a new truck to drive that also celebrates my dad's time with Pilot. We've always been part of the Pilot family and the team here, especially the other drivers. Always have been part of the Abshire family. That's not lip service. It's how we operate. This just illustrates how true it is. We are family. So, hey, congratulations to that guy. Long tenure, gets rewarded with a really beautiful truck. Yeah, that is. that is. An, I didn't mean to steal your, your, your answer. That's my all right. But I knew you were going to say it was yeah. a big deal. Because it is a big deal. Okay. I'm with you 100%, my friend. Well, next time debate. It's me, awesome. All right. Jamie Hunt commits additional $5 million to support children's health care in Arkansas. Big deal, little deal. Oh, it's a big deal, man. It's, we're talking about 
We're talking about children, for one, always a soft spot in both of our hearts and many others. And I hope everybody's from from uh, helping them and, and from St. Jude's to everything else. But so this area, this hospitals that they're, they're helping is uh, Arkansas Children Incorporated. Seven hundred thousand children rely on this. Wow. And we're also talking about this is in addition. They've been supporting them for 40 years and this is another five year commitment from them. So in my mind, absolutely a big deal. Yeah, absolutely. They've been supporting it as long as he's been driving that. The other guy's been driving that truck. They the have been, story. which is which is tremendous. And uh, so, yeah, absolutely. What are they giving a million dollars? A million dollars a year for the next five years. And uh, yeah, they've, they've been supporting this for close to four years. And uh, yeah, it, it's absolutely a big deal. More people should be supporting this type of stuff. Absolutely. Love it. Absolutely love it. Absolutely love it. So our next virtual event is uh, this Wednesday, Dooner. It's the Autonomous uh, and Electric Vehicle Summit, uh, the 14th, uh, free to uh, register. So you should be doing that. So big deal, little deal, my friend. What do you think? It's a big deal. I'm really excited because Alan Adler, who I, do, who I think does an amazing job of covering this industry, he is coming in town from Detroit. Detroit Rock City. He's going to be yeah. joining us for What the Truck. He's also going to be doing his own hosting. We'll be doing some hosting. He put together most of this event. He threw on his back. He put it together. He uh, he has his finger on the pulse of this industry, so it's really cool that he was acting as producer, reaching out to get all of these different guests. You know, as, as you've noticed on this show, there's a ton of different technologies and fuels and alternative fuels coming Amazing into this space. There's confusion about autonomous trucks. There's new regulations being put in. We actually talked about those on Friday in terms of, uh, uh, what was it, the NASA? NASA has those new regulations. That, not yeah, NASA, yeah. NASA. NHTSA. I didn't even yeah. know you could say that. I was like, NHTSA. He was calling it NASA. He, yeah, he was calling it NASA or, NASA or whatever it was. I never when you're in the know. So we got a bunch of people there. Amy Davis, she's from Cummins. She's president of their new power business. She's going to be doing that keynote with, uh, with Alan Adler. We also have people from Embark Trucks, XOS Trucks, Kodiak, Robotics, Proterra. Uh, who else? We got A here, Torque Robotics, Gartner Inc., Rider System, Too Simple, Plus, Navistar, and uh, and then a whole host of your favorite FreightWaves TV people, including, I think, the debut at one of our events of uh, Sebastian Bianco. Wow. Yeah. Uh, oh, no, yeah, that's yeah, right. That's right. This is debut. Yeah, because him and Grace do that yeah. show together, Transmission. They do, which is an excellent show. You should check that, you should check that out, definitely. But... Uh, yeah, big, big, big show. I love the EV and AV. We're talking about $100 million, or $100 billion that Congress just put in for infrastructure for yeah. EVs as well, which just came out recently, too. So that's going to be very There's going to be some big winners and losers in that space. There's going to yeah. be a lot of consolidation. We've seen it sweep through through, uh, through Freight Tech. And, you know, it's funny watching these markets, too, because Freight Tech, there's almost a minute there where like, oh, everyone says Freight Tech is dead, right, in February or January, February of last year. Yeah. And now you're seeing unicorn after unicorn being formed out there, and you're going to see the same thing in that trucking space. And it's not just about autonomous trucks, right? That's there, the electric trucks, a lot of technology being put into autonomous, but I don't, and hopefully we can, you know, hopefully it's not this, we're talking about freight horror stories. I don't think we're going to be telling the freight horror story of a bunch of autonomous trucks taking your drivers out there, taking your jobs away, because I just don't see that happening right away. No, I don't see that happening right away at all. And in fact, you're already seeing additional jobs with the safety drivers that are out there that are really liaison or, or working alongside with the uh, the computer engineers inside the cabs. Yeah, so you can register Adler, for that one. I just did that. Register for that one. Go to live.freightwaves.com. As we mentioned, it'll be Wednesday. Kicks off at 9 a.m. Eastern time. It is free to register and get all that information. If you miss it, it's always on demand on the FreightWaves TV app. Just go to tv.freightwaves.com or download it on your Android, Apple, smartphone device, uh, smart TV, whatever you got, whatever you stick into your 
HDMI port. You can find this show wherever you get your podcast. Just look up What the Truck. You want every Freightways podcast on one feed. Look up Freightcast. Find me on Twitter at Timothy Duda. That's D-O-O-N-E-R. Vincent the Dude. Tell him how to be. Peace and love, everyone. Spread it everywhere. <laughs>